following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on atthehive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte, the true Queen City. I'm Doug Branson. And I, Doug, my name's David Walker. How are you? It's nice to meet you. Um, I don't appreciate you coming in off the street like this. Yeah, the pleasure's all on this side of the table. Let me just say that. It's good to be back, Doug. Yeah, it's good to have you back. And be sure to tune in and check us out on Twitter at Hive Talk Live mm-hmm. and online at HiveTalkLive.com. Yeah, there you can listen to us live every Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator to get shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice. And with that, I say, let's swarm Charlotte. See, a lot of things have changed, David, since you've been gone. We have transition music now. I didn't even recognize. I didn't recognize you. I, I did recognize you, though, actually, with I, your Hornets garb. Right, yeah, I'm decked out. I got an early Christmas present, the uh, the Hornets uh, warm-up jacket, which I have to say. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's much better than I than I thought the warm-up jacket was last year. In fact, I'll go so far to say is it is my gear recommendation of the year holiday gift giving guide yeah i mean we did our jersey so while you were gone we did our jersey buy or wait deal right right you didn't listen to the show i I didn't listen to that part (laughs) i must i must have not gotten oh yeah i didn't uh that that part i skipped i just listened Um, once my fantasy team got going i just listened to see if you give me any credit which you did did. thank you i appreciate it i did you're second place now you're 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 not nipping at my heels really i mean you're well you have just you've really put every you're like the warriors of this league it's been it's been fun uh but anyway this is my gear recommendation of choice the hornets warm-up jacket i like it it's um it's snug it's got the logo the c with the party hat logo i love that that alternate it's got the established 1988 yeah it's patch. a little bit like brooklyn nets ish but i still like yeah, it yeah it looks cool though yeah, 1988 it, man yeah i mean that's a long time ago for some of us <laughs> longer for others i guess <laughs> all right so you're back uh we wanted to catch up with you get some of your quick thoughts on some of the things that have happened while you uh, were gone First of all, Coach Clifford got an extension. We really haven't talked about it in depth on the show. We've talked a lot about it on Twitter. But your thoughts, Clifford, getting the the multi-year extension, that was pretty rad, right? Yeah, and that was a no-brainer. But I think for a lot of us, it was something that we were holding our breath yeah. on. You know, I mean, yeah. because who knows? I mean, who knew at the time? I mean, we were all thinking – if that is not a step that the Hornets take, it's a it's a major major red flag that this organization, you know, not to say they didn't care, but but they didn't know what they had. They weren't willing to pony up and and continue the leadership and continue the culture that's been building here. So yeah. that was a good sign. Yeah, I think the worry, the concern, at least on my end, was. They waited, 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 and then all of a sudden, you could call it maybe some speculation that was brought up by parties interested in getting Steve Clifford an extension, but there were, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you wanted to, uh, but I think those are legit. I mean, yeah, we're talking about, we're talking about room, uh, rumblings that other people would have had interest in Clifford, which right. is true. So those things crop up and then all of a sudden you get concerned with would Clifford even entertain an extension or would he want to wait and see what other opportunities there were. But obviously he took the extension and, and I think, he obviously sees something building here in Charlotte, and it's a big um, stamp of approval on what Rich Cho was able to do in the offseason, bringing in the personnel that Steve Clifford thinks can be successful in the league and knows he can coach. Yeah, and I think it's also cool because you know this organization has not always 
been looked upon favorably by outside sources. Mm -hmm. And Clifford was basically the thing that basketball people or people in the know or people that watch basketball said, well, Clifford's there, but the rest of it, who knows? Who knows what's going on? So for him to sign back on is almost a, a stamp of approval. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. almost the same thing. Well, look, Clifford's a good coach. We know he's a good coach. He's not going to stay there if it's just totally screwy. So uh, I think it's a good thing all around. And look what's happened since. I mean, it's been it's been great. Yeah, it's been all good so far. And again, I think now we can fairly, for the first year of his time here, I think we can fairly evaluate what he's able to do because, again, He's got the shooting. He's got the four out, one in style of offense that he's always that he's been accustomed to coaching right. and wants to continue coaching. Now all he needs are, I think, one or two stars. Now he's tweaking it. I mean, you yeah. always need, you always want stars, right? But yeah, you, you throw a star in there in this. I mean, shoot, look where they are now. Well, know. they're growing one in Nick Batum, and yeah. we'll talk about him a little later. But first, I want to get your thoughts on Al Jefferson. So he suffers the injury that was bad enough, but then. He gets the five-game suspension uh, for violating the NBA's anti-drug policy. That was less rad, David. What are your thoughts on on that? Surprising to me, Big Al. I mean, not and you don't want to paint anyone in a box. You know what I mean? Um, that it's it's not shocking that a professional athlete or anyone would, I don't know, do whatever he did to to get the suspension but smoke marijuana i mean okay, that's the yeah. only that's the only five but, but games not really i mean can, not really can, you know I, it was just shocking to me to I, hear yeah. that from al because he's been for the most part a, a solid professional his whole career and hadn't had issues with it but obviously if if this was the third time right i mean that, that's kind of the way this thing goes i think it's shocking too because it was a player in in charlotte basketball and, and i don't think charlotte is a place that's really known in professional sports either panthers or Bobcats Hornets to take take in guys who you would normally associate with that like J.R. Smith has gotten dinged a few times for that uh, guys of I don't know they've had, yeah, want to call it questionable run. character or yeah, whatever they just don't take a lot of chances and not that that's a questionable no no but you know thing, what I'm saying yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah um certainly and, not something that's that 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 the Hornets want to see no and a guy well, what do you think it also means? Also, a contract year, though, right? Well, I mean, that's that was my big thing on on the Saturday sit down. That was what was most shocking to me. But what do you think about how this affects his future, not only with the Hornets, but but his future in terms of his prospects going forward into free agency? I mean, I don't think it affects as much as his play on the court does. To be honest, I mean, I think his track record, again, throughout his career and even in a short time in Charlotte, has been one of leadership. Um, it shouldn't be understated what he did for this franchise when he signed here, came here, and led them to the playoffs. If that's his legacy, if if nothing else happens, if he were to leave tomorrow, he should be, I think, incorrectly so, recognized and, and applauded for that because at the time, if you'll remember <laughs> – no one was coming here. No one wanted to come here. Mm -hmm. It was a it was a gamble. They you know they overpaid quote unquote at the time, but they had to. Um, and he came in here and, and did a great job. I, so th this is more of a blip on the radar for me, at least. You know, who knows what the inner circle of the team and the league. But I I just don't get the feeling that that people view him as a as, an, as a problem or as an issue in that regard. So I think his play is going to be the bigger th the biggest thing as opposed to. You know, or this or, five games of spending, or lack of play, yeah. Because I mean, the the time that he spent off the court, you've seen Cody Zeller really take to this role as starting center. It, it seems like Cody Zeller is more comfortable as a center than he ever has been as a power forward. And the league is changing, and and Al Jefferson would note that himself that the league is moving away from players with his particular skill set and so the question in my mind is do the Hornets with the trade deadline approaching do the Hornets start to entertain life without Big Al now that they're seeing success without Big Al yeah it all, I mean of course it always depends on what you can get back but I don't know to me it's not a for it's still not a foregone conclusion that that he's 100% gone I know that that may sound crazy um before what scenario this, do you imagine that he – is it a starting scenario no, that he would not? I mean, not? that's the thing. He's got to be willing to come in and say, I'm going to play a lot less minutes um, and, and just be more of a – not really a spot guy, but I don't know. I mean, to me, they can still play that style that they've been playing with him. 
They can play the one offensively. in, four out. Offensively, right. Yeah, offensively, again, I think this team doesn't really change that much this year. This year has not been about Al Fence. No. It's, they take just as many three-pointers. The field goal percentage is about the same. <laughs> They're yeah. taking them and making them. Last year they didn't. They right. were doing neither. And, and, again, I think Al Jefferson on a given night can give you a different wrinkle in your offense. And, you know, certainly that wrinkle would have been nice to have against Boston a few nights ago. Yeah, yeah. But I think defensively, that's where my biggest questions lie because I, I watch Cody Ziller – and defensively, he can just do so many different things that Al Jefferson's not going to provide you. Trap in the corner, move around. He can, you know, stay with a guard a little bit longer than Al Jefferson is not going to have to sink down as much. And, yeah. and so I just think, again, a player's career is, is just a constant um, scale of is it worth him starting or is it not worth him starting? And, you know, I, I just think the scales are because of – what Cody Zeller is providing at this point in time and, you know, possible trade scenarios. I, I just, I just see, I just feel the scale starting to tip against Al Jefferson. And you know that on this show that I've been very vocal in saying, look, 20 and 10 is hard to come by. He's not a 20 and 10 player really anymore no. this season. But I've also said that the double team, the double team aspect that getting guys, uh, getting teams to double team Al in the post can affect things offensively in a very positive way that have really nothing to do with whether Al Jefferson scores or not. Right. It does, yeah. And, and, you know, the offensive rating when he's on the court is actually slightly better than when he's off for this team. As you mentioned on the defensive end is where you see the large discrepancy. And this team has been playing very well defensively without it. And that's two years in a row now that we've seen Al Jefferson miss time and this team transform into – and it, well, last year they went from elite to even more elite on the defensive end. This year they've gone from average defensively to a really, really good defensive team. Yeah, but you think about it. The way they were playing on offense hasn't changed once they got going on this new style. And, and, and even when Al was in there, I mean, they were winning games and scoring points when he was in there. Um, so to say that he can't come back and be a, a piece of this team, I think, would be a mistake. But – you're right. I mean, it's just you can't argue with some of the results that you're seeing. But I don't think they're ready to, you know, to send him packing at this moment. Do you? I mean, honestly, I don't know. Because I, I don't know what his his value is so strange right now because it's it's $13 million and it's the an expiring contract. So in a normal year, that would be very valuable to a team. But we're not but, in a normal year. No. TV money rushing in, it might not be a valuable trade chip. But you have you have names out there of guys like Dwight Howard, who's unhappy in Houston, DeMarcus Cousins, who has been a constant trade name thrown out there, and, and many others. This could be an active trade deadline as teams kind of jockey for position with one another to get just a little bit more money and a little bit more advantage. So I, I honestly don't know, but if anyone could make it happen, it would be Rich Cho. I mean, he's, you know, the, the guy is a genius when it comes to trades. Cho no, Right, exactly. So Yeah, it's but, interesting but, because I think that he does hold some value. So, I mean, they could. Um, you just have to find the, yeah. the exact – I just don't think there are many situations out there. Cause we were, so on Twitter, we were chatting a little bit about this – Dwight Howard unhappy mm-hmm. uh, should Charlotte make the call and and ask what it would take and you know if you put Al Jefferson's contract which is expiring and Hawes or Zeller and you combine those two uh, that could be and there were a couple other financial scenarios there you know it it gets interesting when you talk about some of the things that this team needs rim protection you know additional interior defense there are names out there that make sense for the Hornets. It's just, can you find that right trade partner? I don't know if Houston's necessarily it. <laughs> because I don't think – Jefferson doesn't really scream Maury ball. Well, that's the other thing, right? It's got to be – it doesn't have to be, but you would think a team that's looking to acquire him or move someone to acquire him, not every team's going to be able to just throw Al Jefferson in there, right? I mean, he's going to there's going to have yeah. to be some sort of fit. Right, exactly. So – Again, let us know what you think on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. We'd love to hear 
and and it's we're entering trade deadline season, so we're gonna we're going to have more segments like this where we throw out crazy ideas and and people are getting pretty heated on Twitter. I'll give the about the Dwight Howard situation. Howard. Yeah, they were a, a little mirroring my conversation about DeMarcus Cousins. I was going to say you're for Howard though, right? Well, you're, I here's know you're the thing. Cousins. <laughs> here's the thing. So it doesn't seem like it would make sense, right? That that I would be against bringing a guy in like DeMarcus Cousins for chemistry reasons and then go and say, "Okay, Dwight Howard, that's a great fit when he's been just as mercurial." But yeah. but here's my Again, it's all scales, all tipping the scales. Here's what tips the scales for me: is that Clifford is familiar. Clifford, Clifford is yeah. familiar with Dwight Howard yeah. in Orlando and Los Angeles. That's two different teams, and he's the he's the Howard whisperer. Maybe, and I I seem to remember. I can't quote exactly, but I seem to remember Clifford talking about Dwight or mentioning Dwight Howard in a, in a press conference or something in a, in a positive way, like having mm-hmm. a guy like Howard. And all Clifford, he does, all he does, is refer back to those Orlando teams. Well, Cl- and Clifford knows that you know, this team is 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 overachieving. This team is a, a really good team, and it fits everybody's fitting very well. The flow is very good, and and there's a consistency with this team that's very nice. And they could they could really shake things up in the playoffs, but but this team is not a probably not an Eastern Conference contender against like Cleveland, and the the thing separating this team from Cleveland. Are or is you know an established star level player? Yeah, and Dwight Howard hasn't been playing that star level ball in Houston. But he gets you a lot closer. I mean, he gets he, you a lot closer, and I think again that's a situational thing, similar to Jeremy Lin in, in Los Angeles. I think that there's there has been an erosion of communication between Howard and the coaching staff and the players. And look, Howard's not going to have to deal with James Harden usage rate here. The guys are sharing like when you look at the usage rate across the board for Charlotte and the scoring across the board for Charlotte, Nick Batum and Kimba Walker certainly stand out, but there's room in there for a third high usage guy. Yeah, the problem with Howard is, and you're seeing it now. Apparently, he wants to be the the a number one guy, right? Like he wants it to be like it was in Orlando, where he was the man. <laughs> Everybody wants it to be like it was, right? But that's you're not, the, that's the think, thing people I, I want. I don't think you're going to be a championship team <laughs> if he is filling that role. You know what I mean? It's going to take another piece. You're still going to have to get another guy. Now, getting Howard is would be a I think would be a huge piece. I mean, that would be a huge rebounding, rebounding, shot blocking, defense, and I you know I think he can be. Given the right situation, again, I, I just go back to Jeremy Lin and Jeremy Lamb. Given the right situation and the right coach, guys can perform at a much higher level, and we've seen evidence of it so far this year. And again, this is all. Let me hit. Let me hit the drop here. I know it's preposterous, but it, right. is it preposterous? Right. Right. It's speculation. But I think the Clifford thing is interesting, though, because you see with guys like this. Um, that have issues in other places and for whatever reason don't stick, don't last, that if you can get a guy who understands what the coach is trying to do and buy in, you know, if you could get that going here, it's pretty tempting. And that's really – this conversation is less about – because I think – I don't think Dwight Howard is going to end up in Charlotte, nor do I think DeMarcus Cousins will end up in doesn't Charlotte. doesn't feel like Charlotte is, would be on no, his uh, no. list of cities. I'll say this, though. Money is not really an issue with Dwight because he has an option, an opt-out, I should say, in his contract for 2016. So – and I, certainly he'll use that to try to get some other contract. So I don't think that – you know, you should be worried about his massive deal because he has that no. opt out in 2016. But uh, it's less about that and just more about I think that Clifford has done an amazing job with integrating both Jeremy Lynn and Lamb and Hawes and, and all of this new talent in with the old talent. And that extends to Nick Batum as well, who is having, in my mind so far, an all-star you're the all-star expert but in my mind he's having an all-star level season so far and and that brings us to our next segment and really the title of the show you know what's it going to take to keep Nick Batum in Charlotte because more important than the trade deadline I think to this team's sustained success is keeping guys who take the leap to that next level keeping those guys in Charlotte and Nick Batum has made a significant leap from his time in Portland, as many hoped he would, 
how do you keep a guy like that? There's talk about does he deserve a max deal? I think that's ridiculous. I think of course he deserves a max deal. It's it's always funny when we bring it up. You have these guys every year. Does he deserve a max deal? It's like it doesn't matter. Like these guys but are going to get mad. They're going to be max deals out there. Well, yeah. There's I think there's 18 teams next season that are that are going to have enough money to give a guy a max deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's going to be so much competition that there are going to be guys that in normal situations would not get a max deal, they're going to get a max deal. I think Nick Batum possibly, and we haven't seen how this story ends, but I just think by its beginning, and in terms of what Charlotte has had basketball-wise over the past decade, it, there's that's a guy who deserves a max deal in a, in a mid-sized market. Yeah, absolutely. You, and plus, you kind of go back to the th- the thought that they're going to have to overpay. I think there's, you know, it's, it still feels like Charlotte is still in that neighborhood of having to overpay to compensate maybe for being a small market team, uh, being a team that's maybe on the rise. But I well, mean, because I think even if you're not a mid market team, but if you're a team without a lot of talent, then I think you have an obligation to say, okay. You're good. You were the best player on the team this year. You're the number one guy. We're going to pay you like the number one guy. Yeah. Because I don't I don't think there's going to be any question that going into next season, if Nick Batum is in Charlotte, he's the number one guy. Well, and they've taken care of Kemba. They've taken care of MKG. Right, they, yeah, exactly. You don't have to worry about, like, yeah. egos. That's yeah. all out the window because they said. signed the deal. Exactly. So you've taken care of them. You've taken care of Cody, right? You've taken care of Jeremy Lamb. I mean, so you've tied up the guys that you needed to tie up. You need to have that A number one guy, and Batum is growing into that guy, like you mentioned, as as many people hoped he would. I mean, right now, think of all think of all the talk. Just what three months ago? Oh my gosh, Vonley, you sent away Vonley and Gerald <laughs> Henderson. What are you doing? The guy's growing. That's he, not he, on our show. We don't know what. Not on know. our show. I know. And and look. That makes sense. It's a young guy. We don't know what's going to happen. Batum had a down year, although if you were watching, he was hurt. And after the All-Star break, as we've discussed, he was Nick Batum a lot better that we that we come to come to recognize. But you got to pay Batum, whatever it takes at this point for me, <laughs> because look at what he's doing for that team. Let's say you lose a Jeremy Lin. If you can keep Batum and Kimba Walker, you still got those two creators and two scoring guys out there. Plus his defense. I mean, that's been the biggest thing, too. You know, he's been that two-way player that they tried to get in Lance and didn't. I mean, this is what they were looking for. They've got it now. you got to hang on to it. A two-way player who can... 3 and D. 3 and D can create in a variety of different ways, can impact the game in a variety of different ways, and, you know, take away the Boston game, which he admitted that that was just an off-shooting night. I mean, the guy can I mean, he's not Steph Curry. Well, he's not Steph Curry, but he's he's a consistent shooter, and that's what <laughs> that that's what this team has. I think more than anything, well, maybe second only to just more shooting. They've had consistency in performances. Like Kimba has been much more consistent. Nick Batum has added a layer of consistency, and you know what you're going to get out of your bench now. You know Jeremy Lin, Jeremy Lamb. They come in and they play consistent minutes. And you know what kind of production you're going to get from them. And I think that's something that you you didn't have at all last season. You didn't know what kind of Bismack Biombo you were going to get. Yeah, you've got a reliable second wave. Yes. Right? And, and again, you plug Batum in with that second wave. You can plug Kimba in with that second wave. There's just there's so many different options that lay at Clifford's feet. And it's really telling that Clifford – when he started in the preseason this uh, this year, he talked about wanting to get a really solidified rotation and a solidified closing group. And now he talks about, well, you know, we'll just see. We'll see, you know, what the matchups give us, mm-hmm. whether Lamb's going to be in there or Lynn's going to be in there. He had because, options. I mean, he well, yeah. never had any. He's never had any, and now he looks at it and says, you know, I've got a variety of different ways that that I can affect how this game is going to end, and they're all – good options so yeah and I think again Batum plays a large part in that and I think the fact that the big advantage that the Hornets have is not his bird rights I think it's his right to be a number one player in this offense and Clifford has entrusted him giving him the keys to the car and 
I think Batum is – And that Clifford extension, I think – it shouldn't be ignored when you're talking no. about Batum either. And, and you know, Rich Cho's relationship with Batum as well, going back to their Portland days. So um, I think the Hornets are in much better shape than we thought they might be at this time. I mean, for one thing, winning. You know, how, how this team fits together. There's great chemistry on this team. Um, that's something we've seen from day one, from, from, the, from the trip they took overseas. And so that helps. It's all in their favor at this point. Um, I mentioned Jeremy Lin. They do have him signed through next year, I believe. Well, he has the player option. Right, okay. So he will most likely, I think, probably opt out because he's playing well this season. He's playing well enough, yeah. I think he's playing much better than $2 million or whatever it's going to end up being in Certainly that next year. year, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you know that was definitely a contract where it's like, you know, let's see if this works, and you he has the option to to figure something out next season. Let's talk about let's preview the week coming up because it doesn't. You had the the Boston game and and it was a, a very strange game. That was a bummer. It was a bummer. But you knew it was coming. I mean, there had to be some kind of letdown, and they they didn't. Neither team really came out with any kind of energy in that first half, and then in the third quarter. The Hornets, the the starting yeah. unit, really the couldn't. Legs were, the legs were gone. I mean, the the weird thing is, you thought the Celtics would be the tired ones after the 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 you well, know look, the I Rocky mean, Three treatment with 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 uh, the Warriors. Reference. Well, no, I mean, you know Isaiah Thomas is just he's, he's phenomenal. He's an all star. He's an all star. He's phenomenal. He's full of energy. You know, he's that, that guy's the Energizer Bunny. And you got Avery Bradley. That guy's a Tasmanian Devil. And really, it's guard play. That that keyed that run. Isaiah Thomas getting in. You know what? We talked about how Big Al would have been useful in that game, but you know what? That game really said to me that's where I, for the first time, really all season, I thought to myself, man, MKG would have been great in this game, oh, getting man. in there and taking well, those away. Those perimeter guys were just killing them. Well, and it was all Isaiah Thomas initiating the action, getting into the lane, and then your your secondary coverage, your guy who's covering the role of the the screener, that guy was was not was missing his assignment. Yeah, and and I thought too, it was a little bit of Kemba not getting into Isaiah Thomas, you know, really getting a hand on him, hand checking him a little bit as they come off that screen. But I think MKG would have been great to take take what Isaiah Thomas was giving away. But the Hornets had a shot there in the fourth quarter. But again, they dropped that one to the Celtics. Yeah, they just needed a couple of shots to go in, and you could see. I mean, Marvin especially was just his legs weren't in there. All those shots were short, so you knew it was coming. And guess what? The Celtics are pretty good. But you hate to lose at home. I mean, I think that's the that's the biggest thing. They were pretty good in that third quarter for sure. Yeah. Uh, but again, the Hornets, I believe they had a slight lead in the fourth quarter at one point and couldn't close the deal. But yeah, you know. Again, I think you still won seven of your last ten if you're the Hornets. So not, and the Hornets have done a great job of recovering from a loss. So they'll have that opportunity in Orlando. And I said on Twitter, I purchased my first like single game league pass game. Oh, how was that experience? With league, well, with league pass, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Sign in. No, I didn't have to sign in, but you can only do it online, it appears. Or, I'm sorry, on your computer. You can't do it on mobile, on iPad or iPhone. You know, League Pass is, is awesome. We've talked about it a little bit before. The yeah. biggest thing is uh, you can get updates, you know. You can get the, the your, your your text, your push message, like uh-huh. so-and-so is going for League 40 pass points. Alert. Or yeah. close game. That's the, that's the coolest thing. But, like, getting Everything, it set up. Once you get yeah. it set up, it's great. Everything else – it's one of those things that makes it difficult for you to give money. And I've never understood that. Like, why make it more difficult for me to give you money? Such an odd thing. AT&T, don't get me started. Oh, yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I bought this game. And it was Orlando um, in Brooklyn. And oh, that was a brave. Uh, yeah, That's I mean, a brave like, that was you took one for the team on that one. It was I paid seven. I think it was only worth three fifty. <laughs> um, 
But I noticed some very interesting things about Orlando. You take what you can from one game. But I'll say over the course of the season, they're a great rebounding team. They're sixth in offensive rebounds. I think that's the key for the Hornets. Got to keep them off the offensive boards. Keep easy points away from Orlando. They're sixth in rebounding overall. So it's going to be a tough test for the Hornets who have gotten better at rebounding but still aren't really rebounding on that great level that they had last season and you know for part uh, early on this season they were an elite rebounding team so it's going to have to be full on effort for these guys um but you know Orlando's got some they've got a couple of three-point shooters the big thing with Orlando is they moved Oladipo to the bench and so yep. move Fry Channing Fry into the starting lineup who they got on a steal this offseason and uh that's really opened up their offense both in terms of three-point shooting, but also they use that space to get open looks for their bigs, like in that mid-range area. So Vucevic is a great mid-range shooter. Their backup center, Jason Smith, is also a good mid-range shooter. And so they'll use that space and find a matchup with Vucevic where the guy is sinking down to keep Vucevic out of the lane, and he'll pull up really quickly and, and knock down some mid-range shots. I believe Vooch is something like 50% from mid-range, so they're not afraid to shoot that shot. You know, it may take their effective field goal percentage down, but they're not afraid to shoot that shot, and you know, their their offense is average. It's not good, but yeah. their, defense their defense is really is, good. Is, is their calling card. I don't think we, I don't I don't think we have to worry about Hazonia, right? He's, they're not he's not getting much run right now. Well, so here's the thing: he's getting a little more run because it looks like Skiles is trying him out. Coach Scott Skiles uh, is trying him out at point guard and mm. using Depot Oladipo in that second unit as the off guard. Uh, it's not going great. Mm. That sounds yeah. That sounds interesting. <laughs> it's not going great, uh, but you know. Uh, it's an opportunity, I think, for the Hornets to expose him defensively because he's he's really not great in terms of effort or speed at getting around screens. So I think you just got to screen the hell out of Mario Hazonia, um, and and just you can't you can't run full speed ahead into Oladipo because he'll he'll pick your pocket. Well, look. Seven and three in their last ten, identical record as Charlotte. So both these teams, they're both they're both you know, playing both well above. Playing well, they're Orlando is, is currently the eighth seed uh, in any of these games. That's the other thing about looking at these games on a nightly basis throughout the league, trying to figure out who to who to root for right now is useless because, especially if there's two Eastern Conference teams playing each other, you know, one game either way swings one team up, one team down. Uh, it's 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 a major logjam, but it's so much more fun this year, especially in the East. Obviously, with the Hornets doing well, it's enjoyable to watch. But you know, it's a madhouse right now trying to figure out the uh, jostling for position here. Yeah, I think the the big keys for the Hornets are going to be keeping them off the offensive boards and exposing some defensive weaknesses that they have in that second unit, and not letting Oladipo turn you over because. When you face an average offense, the biggest key is do not give them easy points. And so, to me, those are the the big keys going into Orlando. Now, it doesn't get any easier. They have to face another good Eastern Conference team on Thursday at home. It's a back-to-back against the Toronto Raptors. It's the first time the Hornets will have to play the Magic. It's the first time the Hornets will have to play the Raptors this season. So, you get no, you get no notes from the previous matchup, although the Raptors are pretty much with with, kind with of the ex- same team. W- yeah, with the exception of Demar Carroll, Demar Carroll, the the who's Raptors, out for a little bit, who has been out yep. and has been injured uh, for uh, not a good portion, but a portion of this early season. Uh, Very the, similar to last year, though. You're right. Yeah, the Raptors to me seem to live and die on Demar Rosen. Demar, De- De- as he goes, they that, go. Let me start that over. Demar Derozan. <laughs> Who well, is, cert- yeah, certainly Lowry is their guy. I mean, he he's probably your all star mm-hmm. starter at this point, right? But Kemba, you know what? Kemba's typically played well, uh, certainly in recent memory against these guys. Had the walk off shot. Was that last year? He had the walk off shot, or was that the year before? Year before, yeah, I think. So um, he matches up. You know, you're not really overly concerned about that matchup. I mean, Kemba seems to get up for that one, but I think you're right. DeRozan's such an athlete, and he's he's gotten better at scoring effectively. What well, that's the big key. I'm glad you brought that up. He he is now, 
uh, moving his offense closer to the basket and converting those opportunities or getting to the line. His mm-hmm. percentages getting to the line are way up. And, you know, again, he's not taking those long twos that have long frustrated Toronto fans. So if you're Charlotte, you have to, I mean, all five guys have to be concerned with keeping DeMar DeRozan out of the paint. I was looking at their, at DeMar DeRozan's splits and in wins, his usage percentage is actually down, but he's getting closer to the basket and getting more free throw shots in their wins. So that tells me that when DeMar DeRozan plays efficient, the Raptors win. When they when he doesn't, when he gets into that hero ball mentality, starts taking threes, which he can't shoot, or long twos, when teams are doing a good job at keeping him out of the paint, then you've got a shot against the rest of this club because they don't have a lot of bench production either. Uh, Terrence Ross has been a disaster for Toronto. But they have one man who is coming off the bench. I, I was hoping we could get through the segment. Uh, that will be his homecoming, if you will. I promised myself I wasn't how early, cry. How early are you getting to that game? Yeah, I want to watch all the warm-ups. Um, so, yeah, pretty early. Pretty early. Yeah, I, I miss Bismack Biombo, who is the Toronto's uh, now, what, starting? Is he starting now he still? Might, he might be starting, actually. Oh, jeez, man. He's playing so well. He's on my fantasy team. He he um, he looks exactly the same. Yeah. For the most part, he talked about it. And I was watching some post game stuff from their last. Uh, their, they lost uh, their last game to uh, Indiana, and he just said, "Look, we're getting ready for Charlotte." I, I sense a revenge. <laughs> I don't think he had any ill will towards Charlotte, but I, I sense a revenge game revenge coming. Game. They oh, seem to boy. happen in Charlotte with players who formerly played in Charlotte. Well, you don't have to worry about him going off. I don't think. I don't know. He's Maybe. he's done a little better. Keep offensively him keep him out of the paint yeah you do because yeah because he's not well not shooting threes ladies and gentlemen <laughs> and that's the most in-depth bismack biombo opponent breakdown you'll probably hear all year yeah i think um i don't think there's really much game planning for bismack biombo but i think i do think you know again i think you're going to have to sacrifice guarding a few of their players to key in on DeMar DeRozan to keep him out of the paint. Because the thing is, too, he's he's aggressive when he does it. He doesn't have to have other guys get him involved. He can do it on his own if he senses the matchup is right. Yeah. So this could be a big P.J. Harrison game. I mean, he's going to have to really body up, Yep. probably sacrifice three or four fouls early on. That's fine. That's, That's kind right. of what you want. You want to get physical with DeMar and say, look, you're not getting into the paint tonight. You better start shooting. I think looking a little bit past, not to jump too far ahead, but you know these games out through the end of the year, you're getting the Wizards, the Rockets, the Celtics, the Grizzlies, and the two LA teams. So I, I see. I heard four, three. I heard three and three, three wins, three losses there. Yeah, I mean Possibly. the Hornets have played. You know, in that little streak, they played four, a lot no, of games at home with Wizards. They'll just be on the road for the Wizards, the Rockets, and the Magic. So they'll have another little homestand here. But any of these Eastern Conference games are huge right now, obviously. And you know, you want to see your Dwight Howard up close. You're going to get a chance a week I'll from a full, now. I have a full scouting report on the next <laughs> Hive Talk Live. Now, um, now, yeah, I mean, it doesn't get and and the Hornets again have to be like squirrels and just get as many of these wins as possible because once January yeah, exactly. hits, it's just so many road games and, and there's going to be that stretch of road weariness where they drop three in a row and we all talk about how the sky is falling. Well, you yeah, you want as soon as they get to the first 2016, they're on the road, that West Coast trip, uh, first week there in January. And that, that comes at you fast. So... Well, the Hornets will play again at the Magic tomorrow night at Orlando, and it's going to be another Star Wars night that the Hornets participate in. They they played in another one uh, when they played at <laughs> Memphis. Uh, so in honor of that and in honor of the uh, Star Wars, The Force Awakens coming out, we've got this. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Is there there's a new Star Wars coming out? Yeah, you didn't know? So, yeah, I could just let's just listen to that for the rest of the show. 
Uh, so the Hornets did a cool thing last season when uh, it was all the rage to, to do play on words with NBA players' names. They did uh, Char Wars, and they <laughs> just did a bunch of wordplay with uh, the different uh, players' names. So uh, we, we could do that. We could talk about uh, – we had a great one from Kurt on Twitter, Lambo Calrissian. That's a great – love that one. Or, oh, okay. Yep. So anyway, we're going to we're going to compare a few players to uh, classic Star Wars characters. Uh, we had another one, too. I want to read it really quick uh, from R. Lee here on Twitter. Hawes and uh, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. That was like me saying Demar Derozan. <laughs> I, I thought we were. I thought I didn't know we were going to refer to the uh, to the prequels, but that's cool. That's cool. Why would you not assume that? Listen, it's part they as never much ha- as we don't, never happened, as Doug. much as we don't like it. It's part of canon. <laughs> it's that's true. That's true. Although I'll tell you, I found this interesting article that apparently someone has on YouTube gone and recut all of the prequels and cut out a lot of the BS. So I will be watching those instead. Well, that'll do it for us tonight, folks. We're going to go ahead. <laughs> but anyway, so that was a good one. Hawes uh, with the long hair. So you could do it on looks as well. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I you chose... To, you spent the better part of this afternoon. After I posed this to you, did you get any other work done today? No. Okay. Uh, no, I spent... I really dug into my Star Wars uh, Comporiums. Um, volumes five through twelve, <laughs> and really dug in here and and tried to get some comparisons. I went with more narrative, so right. uh, I have MKG as Han Solo okay. because uh, MKG is having to sit out a while 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 his friends travel all over the place kicking ass. So that's kind of like Han Solo getting frozen in carbonite. Right. All right? That was my. Are you with me? Yeah. Tyler Hansborough, he can't be anybody but Chewbacca. All right. The energy, the random anger, and that's that's Tyler. Okay. All right, one more here, and then I'll, I'll let you fire off a few. Jeremy Lin, ready for this? Boba Fett. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, he's a good shooter. True. He's in an auxiliary role, but he has a huge fan base, just like Boba. Boba has like five well, seconds that, of screen that's time. Absolutely, that's People don't one. know that. Yeah. People don't understand that. Boba Fett, not on screen very much. He like not nod, for long. Not he for nods long. and then he falls into a hole. Not for and long. yet we like worship him. This it's u- so it, weird. This universe, this expanded universe. We're gonna get so much <laughs> Boba Fett. All right, go ahead. All right, real quick. Chewy. I went with Hawes on Chewy, mostly just for the hair. Okay. And because like he's so tall. The look, yeah. Yeah. Now Han. I think Kimba is your Han. Get this, ready? He's the captain, but he also shoots first. Ooh. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? (laughs) Okay. All right, Luke. I went with Batum. Um, You know, a couple of these passes, a couple couple of these recent passing games he's had, especially his triple-double game, when he just kind of floats up in the air and that ball would find someone, look away pass, it Mm -hmm. felt very – very force, force-ish. force-ish. Very force-ish. Now, Leia uh, is Jeremy Lin. I just, the hair, uh, the earmuff hair is the only guy that can pull it You're off. You're going for a look. Yeah. Obi-Wan, I think Big Al, he's the wizard of the post, the low post. Um, actually, Obi-Wan was not a wizard. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I was thinking of. <laughs> no, I know he's not a wizard, but, you know, a master of the low post, Jedi master, if you will. Okay. I also went with Lando. For Lamb, because he's silky smooth, just like Lando Calrissian. Yeah, Lambo. And Billy yeah. D. I you like that. I mean? Yeah. Um, now, for hands, bro, let's see what you think about this one. C-3PO. One, neither one of them ever blink. <laughs> <laughs> and and two, you know, 3PO kind of walks like with his arms, and it's not fluid. It's kind of like the Tin Man. And uh, to me, hands, bro, I, one, I don't know if he has full control of his limbs, at all times. I think Mark Gasol <laughs> might agree with me on that one. So that one just, that would spoke to me. C3PO. And he, yeah, he gets damaged a lot. I like that. Yeah. Just like Hansborough seems right. to catch a. So you didn't have a Vader. I had a hard time with Vader. Yeah, well, that's a negative. You don't want to like, it's it's hard to like. I have um, Zeller as Vader. Okay. Because wow. you know how Vader kind of glides across Ooh, the floor okay. and almost look like he's not walking yeah. with that long cape. Right. Zeller guides, glides down the floor on those fast breaks, fills the lamp. Very similar. I like me. that. I like that. Those those are all good. I have one more for you. PJ 
is PJD2. He is, <laughs> he is R2D2 because he performs very specific roles. And just like R2D2, mm. whether it's hacking into the Death Star or, or getting in, in, in Luke's ship, R2D2 performs very specific but very vital roles in the Star Wars story, just like PJ Harrison performs very vital roles for this Hornet starting unit. And again, it's it's tough to explain. Just like it would be tough for me to explain to you that without R two D two, the the Empire, and you uh, kind of forget about him until you see him. Yeah, like he's out there. He's a key player. Yeah, he even starts. Right. But then you're like, oh yeah, and he disappears for long periods. Exactly. Of time. Exactly. Just like R two D two. I like these picks. Uh, let's go to Twitter for a few more of uh, picks. We have Jer Jer Bench, uh, referring to both of the Super Jeremy brothers for uh, Jar Jar Binks. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, <laughs> didn't Carolina win? Saying need thoughts on Jar Jar being a Sith Master. Uh, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, we got to do like a pop culture. We'll have to get with uh, uh, Nada and do a pop culture thing on that. Let's see any more. Uh, yeah, we got uh, Kimba. Oh, uh, didn't Carolina win? Liked our Kimba shot first. If you have any more, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Hive Talk I was, Live. I was pretty proud about that one. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, I liked all of ours. I think they were good, and I can't wait for Star Wars to come out. I'm I'm jazzed about it. It comes out opening on, night. Are you going? I'm not going opening night. Okay. I, I got to wait either. because I got the, the the game with the the Raptors, so I can't do like the midnight thing. It's just going to be so late. I, I, mean, I, don't, I can't do that. Not yeah, anymore. We're old now. Well, no, it's just like I'm just gonna, no, I'm going to have to like write and think about the game, and I'm just gonna, not going to be in the right mentality. Someone who's always in the right mentality, he's been patiently waiting through our uh, talk about Star Wars is our good friend from at com, Nick Denning. Nick, welcome in, my friend. Well, hey, I, I, I've enjoyed this, this whole segment. <laughs> do you, really have you been Star thinking Wars of one? Myself. Do you have one? <laughs> I, I, I do. I do. <laughs> yes. I love, David, I loved your, your Kemba, you know, with Han Solo shooting first. Kemba love shot that. first. That was but good. I, I, I'm going to go with Kemba Walker as Luke Skywalker just because you know, and then I'm, I'm going to just relay the scene where, you know, Yoda and Obi-Wan are talking, Return of the Jedi, you know, and, and, and Obi-Wan says, you know, that boy is our last hope. And Yoda says, no, there is another. And that other one is Nick Batum. Because, Ooh. you know, no longer is Kemba Walker our only hope. True. Wow. So does that make him Leia? So that, that would make him Leia. Yeah, okay. Okay. Nick Leia. Prophecy. Okay. Man, that's I deep. Like that. That's philosophical. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, the Char Wars thing that the Hornets put out had the, the Kemba as Juke Skywalker, which was got to hand it to him. That's go. brilliant. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that was definitely they saved the best one for the team leader. Uh, all right, Nick, we have you on here for Nick's picks. Uh, I did. I have not accumulated our scores, but I'm fairly certain that David is still in the lead, or or that you guys share the lead. Uh, we'll we'll accumulate the scores for next week, but let's tell the fine folks out there what they should be watching for in the NBA this week, and then we've got a great NBA topic to discuss. Uh, first, Nick, what are your NBA picks for the week ahead? I'm going with my Hornets lock is uh, tomorrow versus Orlando. Um, my league pass special is Milwaukee versus Golden State, the rematch. You know, um, I believe <laughs> yeah. that's on Sunday or this weekend. I caught uh, it. I, I caught picking. it, and and then I saw you picked it, and I was like, "Damn it! I can't. I did can't they make know? that." Did they know what they did? No, is it, you're <laughs> random. They're, 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 I can't they, believe they didn't flex it somehow. <laughs> like get it on NBA TV yeah. at least. Yeah, so I'm picking Golden State in that one. I think I think uh, Golden State gets their uh, gets their revenge. Uh, I got my national TV game. I think David, you went with this as well, but I'm pick, I'm going with. Uh, I think we sweep. We're differing on our on our teams, but it's it's Oklahoma City versus Cleveland. I mean yeah. that's that's going to be a great great game, and I'm picking Cleveland in that. David. Yep, that's a good pick. I went with the national game, uh, OKC Cleveland as well. I'm taking the Thunder. Why? Why do you think Cleveland's uh, not playing? Cleveland's not playing great. The the, yeah. the Thunder have been. I think they're seven and three, eight and two, something like that in their last game, last ten games. So. They've been playing well. Um, national TV, I just like to see um, Westbrook go nuts on people. But but I, that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough one. I mean, the Cavs they'll get up for that one. I mean, it'll be rocking in there for sure. So um, I don't know. I just went thunder on that. 
And then Wednesday, this is actually, I think, during the Hornets game. So you have to DVR this one. Mavs Pacers is an interesting game. Mavs, one of those su- surprise teams out west. I am taking the home standing Pacers in that one. And then my lock is the Magic as well. I hate it when we all have the same one. I don't know what you have, Doug, but um, and I would feel better about it if it was at home. But that one looks like a good win for the Hornets, a bounce back game. Yeah, I think it's a good matchup as we as we talked about in our preview of the game. I think the the Hornets get this one over Orlando. That's also my lock. And I just looked at the rest of the games and nothing really spoke to me. The Wizards game seems like the, even though the Wizards aren't playing very well this season, it seems like one of those where they. You know, division rival. They just kind of get up and get some revenge for that uh, beatdown that the Hornets put on them last time. So I'm going to go Hornets uh, at Orlando for the lock. National TV game, Clippers at Spurs. It's an 8 o'clock tip, so you get a chance to see a couple of elite uh, Western Conference teams early. So I like that. I always like that. that. That usually gets my pick. And I like seeing the Clippers and the Spurs go go after each other. It's always a good a good kind of rivalry game. Rematch. Playoff rematch. Yeah, and my league pass special is – I had to dig way down because, again, I was going to do Milwaukee versus Golden State, and I saw that Nick had nabbed it. So I dug way down for this one. This actually happens on Monday, so the, the farthest day in the schedule. Uh, Indy at San Antonio. And if you'll remember, San Antonio would prob- probably be uh, a little less elite than they are right now had it not been for Indiana – trading them Kawhi Leonard for George Hill. Uh, yeah. They'd certainly like they to might, have that they one might, back. They might look back on that in a few years and say, you know. But Indianapolis is, you know, the the Indiana Pacers have turned this thing around, and they look really good under Vogel. They're faster, Vogel, man. stronger. He's, he's, he's a magician. A he's a wizard. He's Obi-Wan. Yeah, that's a good one. So Paul George uh, is pretty good, too. He's been playing well. That's re- that's really what I want to see. I want to see Paul George play this defense. Can can the Spurs defense contain Paul George? I think it's a, a and and you know you got Paul George possibly going up against Kawhi Leonard, you know, great defensive player against uh, an amazing offensive player. So MVP MVP candidates had, if not for uh, Steph, Curry. Steph Curry, of course, exactly. So, all right, let's get to our NBA topic because this is a really good one, and, and I'm glad that we, we have Nick on here to discuss this. Uh, this is, is the three-point shot killing the game? This topic uh, spurred on Twitter uh, and uh, among some other people by an article on SI.com's blog, The Cauldron, by Mark Oshinsky, an article called How I Learned to Hate the Three-Point Shot. I just want to read you some quotes from this article before we get into this discussion. Is the three-point shot killing the NBA game? Here's some quotes from this article. The idea that one basket is more valuable than another is fundamentally and ontologically unsound. The three-pointer is supposed to enable more unlikely comebacks than under a two-point regime. This false redemption is unsportsmanlike and anti-meritocratic, or as Popovich put it, cheating. We (laughs) reward numerical productivity, not process or craft. The three-pointer mirrors our qualitatively distorted casino economy, in which we seek immediate gratification and reward risk, not patience, beauty, or originality. Wow. Now, my, emphasis my own. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I, you know, some of these comments come off as, as just, again, digging a little too philosophically and, and making some connections to culture and all kinds of things with with the three point shot it just seems a weird it was a weird article nick yeah i mean like okay i can understand if you know like there's there's certain styles of play that you that, that various people like and don't like and that's that's fine but you know i'll i'll take with the um the quote the last quote you said the three point mirrors are quality well i'll skip that part but he gets to talk about um you know, it, it in which we seek immediate gratification and reward with risk, not patience, beauty, or originality. I mean, I would, I can argue that, you know, finding the, you know, like a team swinging the ball around, moving the ball, passing well, is beautiful. Uh, it requires patience. Um, and I mean, in this, in the end, I mean, if if you get a good three point shot through, you know, be by being patient, by passing beautifully, I mean, like, to me, that's that's what you want. Um, plus, I mean, we've seen the flip side of this, of this, you know, there was nothing beautiful about last 
season's offense. Ugh. So, you know, yeah, on the I, yeah I, on I the on the Hornets end, right yeah. here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and yeah. I think there's a process and a craft to getting a good three point look. It's not. It's not easy. It's not easy. And, and right. I think that, you know, it is beautiful when you see what Steph Curry is able to do with a three-point shot or what Atlanta is, what Atlanta executes prior to getting a good open look for uh, for their players. I just, this I don't is know. a generational thing, though. I mean, because we don't remember. Well, Popovich is, is certainly older, and yeah. he, he doesn't, He again, he thinks that, that it's, you know, he buy he buys into it because he has to, but he doesn't like it because he doesn't think it's part of the game. Right, but none of us were really around when the three point shot was not part of the game. You know what I yeah. mean? And so um, it probably seemed crazy at the time. I'm sure. Um, just like you know, a lot of people talk about a four point shot today. Throwing that in there, which seems kind of crazy. It yeah. does. It it, well, it seems odd, but it doesn't seem crazy. And and I I think that. The game, and really any game, is constantly changing, and yeah. to, to 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 deny that change is, or, or to deny its value, I think is 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 really strange, especially because again, I think the game now, to make this argument when we're watching what we're watching in Golden State, the game is so beautiful right now, in a way that it wasn't when the Pistons won the championship. That's the thing you wouldn't have these Curry highlights or any of these, you know, Clay Thompson, uh, the, yeah, but the way they built their team, you're this right. is an I mean, NBA, this is an NBA game that is fit for television. It's yeah. not, you know, it's not yeah. a wrestling match. It's, it's not, it's not a, a defensive grind. And I think that's a good thing, especially when you talk about the NBA getting all of this TV money, you want them putting a product out there that's suited for television. It is interesting. I mean, it's interesting that this came up right now because we're probably going to see a lot of these records on a lot of these feats for three-point. I mean, guys are only getting better, and we're only getting more guys and more teams. Hornets are a perfect example that are adapting that and that are getting guys that can take more three-pointers and hit more three-pointers. So a lot of these records that you're seeing now were impossible to break you know, before guys like Curry and Thompson, but there's going to be a lot more guys like that coming up and you can do that you can not every guy can dunk from the free throw line but if you train yourself and you work hard I mean look at Steph Curry he's he's not a huge athlete but look where he shoots the ball from I mean it's ridiculous yeah but Nick what about this idea that this article poses and I think that Greg Popovich would agree with the idea that one basket is more valuable than another and so this article kind of goes in depth and talks about how you know, in football, a touchdown is a touchdown, whether you score it from the 20-yard line or the 80-yard line, um, or the, excuse me, from 80 yards away or 20 yards away. And, and a run is a run in baseball, whether you hit a home run or an RBI single. So is what, what, what weight do you give that idea in basketball, that basketball is like the one professional sport where one score is more valuable than another? I, mean, I understand the thought process behind that, but I will say with football, I mean, can we like what, what about the you know the difference between say a touchdown and a field goal? I mean, obviously, you know, you want to score the touchdown, but um, and I, and I, I guess I don't want to equate a two pointer to to making a field goal because it's not the same thing. But it's, I mean, you know, it's the reason the three point line is there is because it is an outside shot. It's you know you look at you look historically every season. I mean, teams are I mean players, you know shooting 36% from three-point line is considered fairly good in the NBA, whereas shooting 36% from just the field would be considered, you know, very bad. Mm-hmm. So you can see how, I mean, you know, these, you know, making three-point shots doesn't come at the consistency that, you know, it that, say, a two-point field goal attacking the hoop is. You know, he talks about the mid-range shot, but, I mean, I kind of, I mean, I, I look at this as the mid-range shot really just isn't a good shot. I mean, if you're, right. if you have a three-point if you have a three-point line or you can attack the hoop, I mean, those are your two spots where you're going to have the best chance of scoring the ball, either so, an open three-pointer or, say, getting to the hoop. And, again, so I, th- I, think, I, I think just playing devil's advocate, getting into Oshinsky's head, he would say th- the three-point shot is only more valuable because of the line itself. You yeah. know, it, it, and but, but here's my, my counter is that Anything that, in my mind, that leads to more shooting, the, the the game of basketball 
at its very best has been a, a an open less contact more shooting which is uh, an art in it in and of itself and I think again you study you look at Steph Curry's shot it's a beautiful thing it's unlike any shot we've ever seen and and the quickness of its release and the ease in which he shoots it and I don't know. I, I just think that it's a it's a further evolution of a game, and and it spa- it spaces the floor and it makes the game a, a little bit nicer to watch. But yeah. some people would disagree. Then, some people like the contact. Well, to to kind of go off a of point, David, you said it about you know you look at a guy like Steph Curry, and you know he's not he's not a physically dominant athlete, but he's a, he's worked obviously very hard to 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 be that good of a shooter. You know, if we're transitioning to a a shoot, you know, a shoot first type of NBA where you see a lot of three point shooters and things like that, it's going to allow so many more players, you know, the chance to compete at these levels. You know, because I mean, you know, obviously there's all of these players in the NBA are great athletes, but there are obviously there are those, you know, like LeBron James, you know, you know, like those type of players that come to mind that that are obviously gifted with, you know, extreme athleticism and they can use that to their advantage. But guys who don't necessarily have that advantage, they can find their role in the NBA by being a great three-point shooter by, or just you know, being able to spread the floor. I think it's allowing you know, more international players to make it in the league because they're generally not as physical. Most of them aren't as physical as, um, you know, say, you know, American-born players. They're just taught to face the basket. They're taught to shoot and spread the floor. That's allowing them to make it in the NBA these days. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm for it. And, I mean, you know, you know and, I think it's just going to, like you said, Doug, it's just, you know, it's, it's just making, I think, a better game, a more beautiful game, more television-friendly game. So, yeah. Do you guys think they should move the line out? Seth Partnow, who's done some uh, – he obviously, he's the editor of Nylon Calculus and a, a st- the statistical blog, um, talked about how if they move the line out, you probably have to widen – yeah, court. because you you really got room, uh, especially on the corners, like a foot. Right. So there's that issue. That's that's where it c- comes into a little bit of dangerous territory for me because then you're changing the dimensions of the court, and the, to me that's a drastic, mm-hmm. much more drastic change than say a four point shot, whatever that would be. Although they say on, on they what? say that Steph Curry is like practicing shooting from the half, half court. court. Not like heaving it, like, like a just jump shot. Jump shot. If a that starts to happen, a perfectly beautiful. He came jump to shot. destroy the game. <laughs> if you're Mike Oshinsky, <laughs> Steph Curry is not well, your there friend. A, there was there was like a there was like a girl like a high school girls player who like made like 50, 60 points. She was making most of them from like the half court. I think the didn't even see that. I, I didn't. I only briefly saw the headline, but she she made like a ton of points, and they were mostly all from like well beyond three-point line or in close to half court. It was just nuts, just thinking all of them. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, the game the game is changing. And I don't, I don't think that's – I don't think you can necessarily blame the three-point shot or, or, or attribute that to the three-point shot. It's guys who are, you know, just becoming better shooters. Yeah, it's and, interesting. It used to be such a specialized skill. I mean, you used to have just three-pointers. And you still do to a certain degree, but, I mean – Everyone is shooting the three now. Well, because I, I just don't think that guys are coming out of college thinking I've got to really be able to get in there and bang and grind to prove anything. I think guys now know that they can be a productive member of a professional basketball organization and have some some grace and beauty in their game. I don't think it's a bad thing. So anyway, I, I will say I will. I was going to say I do agree with this point about pickup. I will say it's destroying pickup because <laughs> I mean all any like cause most you know most pickup games I don't know about how you guys play but it's it's it's, it's they play by ones and twos yeah. so the the, the, the three point shot counts way more than it counts double and that's like I mean now look and I'm I'm a three point shooter so obviously I take advantage of it but I mean you'll see I mean you'll have some great athletes there who can get the hoop and score one point you know one pointer one after another and then the other team will have this kid who just sticks out and you know, stands out in the three point line. It just heaves up these shots, makes a couple, and the other team is back in it. I mean, it, it really does kind of destroy the pickup game. But that's that. Who cares about the pickup game? Well, I think you know what one of the issues I think is going on right now is we've seen so many innovations in offense, and we really haven't seen the defensive side of things catch up yet. 
And so I think we're still waiting for someone to figure it out, to come up with a defensive innovation. Yeah, that's true. That, that can that's going to you know get copycatted throughout the league. And we're just yet to, we we haven't seen that yet. So I think until then, I don't think this is the last article to come out and demonize. And that's what happens all the time to the dunk, to the to the shot clock. Anytime anything like this comes out and somebody figures out at first how to really, really, really take advantage of it, you have these articles that come out. It's it's happened since the since the creation of basketball, and, and that brings us uh, finally to our one last thing. We have just enough time for one last thing. This story hit today as well, and I think it's kind of poignantly coincidental. A professor at the University of Kansas, Michael Zagri has uncovered the only known voice recording of the inventor of the game of basketball, James Naismith. In this recording, an interview he did in 1939 for a radio show called We the People. Naismith describes the earliest games of basketball, which were brutal, physical, unorganized, and lacking, as he puts it, enough rules. Here's a small, small excerpt from that recording. The boys began tackling, kicking and punching in the clinches. They ended up in a free-for-all in the middle of the gym floor. Before I could pull them apart, one boy was knocked out, several of them had black eyes, and one had a dislocated shoulder. It certainly was murder. Ten years later, basketball was being played all over the country. And in 1936, I saw it played for the first time at the Olympic Games. And the whole thing started with a couple of peach baskets I put up in a little gym 48 years ago. So the the beautiful game that is. we that we study and we love started out as essentially rugby. Rugby. <laughs> so the game. Listen, if we want to go back to rugby, so be it. No, uh, that that's a straw man <laughs> argument. But I think it just goes to show you that the game has been constantly evolving, constantly changing. It will when when our kids grow up and watch it. It's going to probably be a completely different game than what we're seeing now, and that's okay because it's essentially. As my favorite quote, my favorite basketball quote of all time, Roy Williams, basketball will always be about putting the ball in the darn hoop. Gosh dang it. God, God dang it. <laughs> Put the ball in the darn hoop. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it uh, for us, friends. Thanks uh, so much uh, to uh, Nick Denning for joining us here. And um, to David, welcome back. It's good to be back. I appreciate it. And for producer Katie for tweeting as she does uh, every game. By the way, speaking of Star Wars, we got married on uh, May the 4th. May the 4th, not because of Star Wars. Oh, just, man, no. no. <laughs> just happened to do that one. It just happened. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live for live game updates and more. We'll see you next time. Stay bought in. Stay believing. All hail the teal and purple.